Hello and welcome to another edition of TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for being with us. Today we are continuing our series detailing the work of Trek Think Tank over the last few years as Scott Rorman of 42 Real Estate sits down with Molly Plummer, who is part of our community and culture subgroup and works for the Trust for Public Land. They talk about how important the cultural signifiers of a community are, from physical spaces like parks and libraries to things like neighborhood associations and professional sports teams. Their presence, or lack thereof, can impact a community in many ways and contribute profoundly to the overall experience of living there. Trek Think Tank is Scott's brainchild. It started as a way for our members to research and advocate for public policy positions that would affect our city and region for up to 50 years in the future, as our state's population and economy continue to grow at exponential rates. Late last year, Scott recorded conversations with representatives from each of Trek Think Tank's focus groups, mobility, community and culture, governance, technology, and housing. Back in February, we shared the first of those conversations on mobility, and Scott and Molly are here today to continue the conversation with community and culture. If you missed the talk on mobility with Ryan Koch of Pachico and Coke and Huntley Lewis of the NRP Group, we've linked to that episode in the show notes. If you are new to the show and today is your first time tuning in, please consider subscribing on your favorite podcast app and you'll receive event replays, roundtable discussions, and exclusive interviews like this one right to your mobile device. TrackCast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also follow Trek on social media. We've linked to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn accounts in the show notes as well. With that, here's Scott Rorman and Molly Plummer talking all things community and culture right here on TrackCast. Hello, hello. Hi. We are here with Molly, as was just stated, and this is the Community and Culture Committee for the Think Tank. How are you doing, Molly? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Better than I deserve. (laughs) Same, I think. So you had how many people uh, involved in this committee? We had five people involved in the committee. Yeah? Uh And who were the five people? They were Kelly Jasso, me, Adam Krause, Alex John Jr., and Jason McLaughlin. All right. So did y'all have uh, lively discussions? Did you agree on everything? We, you know what, we didn't agree on everything, but we did have lively discussions and they were all very productive. You know, um, we were all, we're all passionate community advocates and we were excited to serve on this committee and I don't think we held very much back and we really enjoyed all of our discussions. I think life is fun when you agree to disagree sometimes. Yeah. I think that you get to have a more honest conversation um, and that's really important. So um, did you have a hard time defining what community and culture meant? Those are kind of big, broad words. For sure. Um, and so we did, uh, we did a lot of thinking about what that meant and what we were asking. And we actually eventually put out a public survey, too, to ask what other people felt about community and culture. And we got a lot of answers about connectivity, um, and how that impacts neighborhoods, but it still is kind of ambiguous how big it is. So we we decided to try to look individually at the characteristics that identify neighborhoods across the city of Dallas. 
Yeah, that was interesting when you and I were chatting about it earlier. Tell me uh, how you started. I think you said you started with a real statistical approach and then that morphed into something else. Yeah, so we started kind of looking at demographic data and, you know, was there a park or a cultural facility present? And I think we got a lot of good information doing that that really helped us in our research, but it didn't always pinpoint what makes a neighborhood unique. You know, why does somebody, why is somebody proud to live there? Um, or what are the reasons that they moved there? Um, and so we did. A, we wanted to do a little bit more digging by talking to community members, working with a survey, and finding out that unique quality um, from the people that actually live in those neighborhoods. That's cool. So, what what do you think the goal of your committee is? What do you think the goal of this podcast is? In other words, if someone listens to this podcast, what what would you like them to think or do? once they finish listening to it. Right. Um, so I think one thing we thought about is that when we talk about arts and culture in Dallas, there's probably a few neighborhoods that jump to the top of your mind, right? There are some places that you immediately connect those words with either the visual characteristic or the cultural characteristic. And we wanted to go a little bit past that. We wanted to understand in other neighborhoods what made them special and unique. Um, and we think that work should continue. I think that there's a lot of culture and community and different ways that that manifests in different neighborhoods. And um, we think highlighting it and continuing to put emphasis on it um, and continuing to work on it in many cases um, is really important to all of our neighborhoods in Dallas, not just those few that are really known for their That's interesting. Yeah, uh, that, uh, that seems to make sense to me. So how did y'all go about this? So we um, divided the city up into districts. Well, the city's already divided in districts, but we, you know, each of us was assigned a district, and we reported on three neighborhoods. Three each. Three, uh, yes, but one per district. So okay, so there's so basically you looked at one total. neighborhood in each of the fourteen districts. Yes, okay. our group as a whole yeah, did one. That's neighborhood. a lot of work. Yeah, it was. It was, but um, it was really interesting, and we all really enjoyed it. We wanted to make sure we picked neighborhoods that people know. So, you know, like Winnetka Heights and um, Wheatley Place. Um, and, if, you know, we wanted to also highlight neighborhoods that community members pointed to for us that had something unique about it that was really important to report on, but maybe didn't jump to top of mind to somebody who wasn't from that community. Okay. So you did research and figured out what was going on in, in 14 communities. Right. And then I guess from that, is it safe to say you found uh, best practices or things that made it good? And then you can use that information to apply to make other communities yeah. better? Yeah, I think so. So we looked at like that statistical research, like I talked about, we looked at demographics. Um, we looked at its sort of affordability compared to the rest of the city. Um, and then we went through looking at some kind of crime rate scales, but also what were the number of parks? What were the number of community facilities? Was there a library nearby? Did if you find that the number of parks, the number of community facilities, and the number of libraries in a community made a difference? Yeah, I, in our survey responses, people generally felt more connected to their neighbors and their community when there was the presence of one of those things. 
Um, and most often it was a park. And if it wasn't a park, people responded that right now during the pandemic, people are walking more and using streets as their parks. Um, Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, we also found that people did feel disconnected or they or they didn't know what their neighborhood necessarily uniqueness was when there wasn't one of those facilities or places that people could you know, meet their neighbors in their neighborhood um, or easily accessible nearby. So not that you're the ultimate judge of the health of a neighborhood, mm -hmm. but it did it seem that the neighborhoods that had something that they claimed as their own it seemed like that was a healthier neighborhood than other places or were there that didn't really cause a healthy issue i don't know about the health of the neighborhood i don't know if i can adequately answer that but i i can say that neighborhoods who had a neighborhood association had more of the tools to have a community event or some kind of an informational get together a cultural opportunity um, or just more interaction um, and that was something that, you know, we didn't find very visible or ready, readily available for communities that maybe didn't have a neighborhood association. Um, how do you form a community group? How do you form a neighborhood association? You know, you can form a Friends of the Park Association. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but it wasn't all kind of in one place. And we thought that that would be a really good addition to the city of Dallas is to have all those resources in yeah. in one area because the communities that had that we had a lot more access to those communities and and they they did answer that they were more connected to one another. Yeah, that's cool. So um, I think Dallas does have some resources, but maybe mm -hmm. just um, advertising them more, making it easy for the average person, citizen of Dallas, to know where to go and how to get there because. Yeah. Uh, and, and then probably there's some beefing up to do, too. Right. But, uh, well, that's interesting. So um, what else did you find in your in your study? So I'll add, too, that, you know, we know that community organizations, um, neighborhood groups are super important to, you know, how connected a community is to one another. But we know it's not everybody's top priority, right? Okay. Like, mm -hmm. you got to put food on the table. Right. Um, you know, we shelter over our heads. Um, and so having that easy access and like you're saying, you know, continued awareness about it and more visibility, I think would be awesome. Um, we found that, you know, just like I said, the correlation between connectedness and a community space is really important. So um, I think as we continue to work in the city of Dallas in all of our careers and professions, um, advocating for the for those, the creation of those spaces if they don't exist or the betterment of those spaces if you're dissatisfied um, is really important. And it is something that, you know, can make your, it can make your community closer together yeah. um, and more connected to one another. That's interesting because um, I was just talking to a guy from the south side of Chicago and um, he's never going to pull for the Chicago Cubs. It's only the White Sox. Yeah. That's his, that's one of his major identities. It's neighborhood. We're White Sox fans, right? I mean, so it's interesting that human beings love to connect right. with something outside of themselves that other people connect. You know, you right. see, um, 
you know, the Celtics are about to win another championship. All the pubs mm-hmm. are full of, mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of green jerseys. You right. Know? Yeah. So, um, and so it's interesting because I'd never had really thought of that. I, I probably would have thought more about professional sports teams, which yeah. is what I just used. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting how parks and community centers do that. I hadn't yeah. really thought of that before. That's an interesting observation. Yeah, I think, you know, it's arts too. It's, you know, events, whether it's music in your neighborhood. I think that people have a tendency, like we want, we all want to be proud of something. And we all have, you know, we have our home spaces, our first spaces, we have our second places, our work or school. And we want to be around people who are proud of the same stuff as us sometimes. And that a third place provides that, whether it's a local business that people frequent, like you now, said, a bar. Now, did you make that up just now? No, 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 no. third place is in the, I wish. It's in the vernacular. It's in the vernacular. Okay. Uh, it's all definitely, right. I definitely did not make that up. But um, I wish. But, um, <laughs> okay, you know. so... So the third places, um, well, on a looking forward basis, what do you think your you and your community came up with with how to promote third places? You know, I think that we need. There's a lot of advocacy things around third places, but I think that we need to keep um, funding arts and cultural opportunities, parks, facilities, and that doesn't just mean. Or public stuff that we're doing. I think that we, you know, small businesses, making sure small businesses are surviving. Right. Um, you know, lots of times, like I said, like you said, your third place might be your neighborhood bar. It might be a restaurant or coffee shop that everyone goes to. And we're it might recording this public. in December of 2020. Right. And we're hopefully towards the end of COVID, but we may be here a while. Who right. Knows? Mm-hmm. Um, there's some community things that have taken place that are, if your bar was your third place, right. it's not there for you right. anymore, or yeah. at least not the way it was before. Yeah. So it probably puts more emphasis and highlight on third place public For spaces. sure, yeah, and anything outside, whether it's, you know, your street, and I know that there's a, Better Block has been working on, a, you know, a slower street program, whether it's more people walking outside together, whether it's your park, whether it's the school in your, you know, maybe your school has a park site that serves after hours. Yeah. Well, think about the top three. Don't name them, but think about maybe the top three areas that seem to be the most connected uh, for whatever reason. Did you did you find that those were the most homogenous from a standpoint of diversity? I'm talking about all kinds of diversity, mm-hmm. race, age, um, you know, socioeconomic job, not just race, mm-hmm. uh, but but old with young and so forth. Did you find that those kind of top neighborhoods that had the best connectivity were more homogenous or more diverse? I think actually in terms of building and kind of commerce, that they're more diverse, right? Like if you have a library, a park, single-family housing, multi-family housing, your local restaurant, and you might, in a school, you kind of have a little bit of everything, and there's a lot more ways to connect with one another. Um, I think that... So maybe that, uh, that, that connectedness actually helps bring about uh, connectivity to people different from you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that another thing is that the neighborhoods that you know, that you're talking about that had kind of the most connectivity 
um, also have an identity that they that they sort of organize around that whether so, whether it's a park or it's murals or it's being a historic district, um, there's something that so a diversity you look of different people than another person. If you're an old person and that other person is a young person, you both could connect because you were looking at we're proud of our murals, we're proud of our history, we're proud of making this neighborhood stay the way it always has been so that broke down barriers. Am I putting words yeah. in your mouth? No, or? I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure that. So I think that those two things like the, the icon nature, you yeah. know, the iconography, the, the thing that ties the community together in terms of identity was really important and having those kind of a holistic set of uses, um, was sort of important. Um, in many of the communities that are really, um, have, you know, have a long-standing sort of reputation or organization. Um, there have been people that have lived there for a very long time, um, you know, and that those communities are, you know, they might be more homogenized. We actually didn't do, um, we did demographic research, but we didn't actually include it in our findings. That's um, fine. Yeah. You had free reign to do <laughs> what, what you wanted. Right. But it is interesting that you're, because I didn't tell you I was going to ask that question beforehand. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that your immediate response was some of the more connected communities were actually some of the more diverse communities. Yeah, in terms of use, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if I can make that state statement blanket. Sure. But I think that... Well, but that's encouraging. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of people who th who think, you know, the only way for you to be connected is, you know, it's all of the same type of person. Right. And what you're saying is, is the community itself is actually breeding yeah. diversity. Well, and this is a kind of a concept that we talked about that is um, definitely not my expertise, and I definitely did not come up with this idea, but that your, your middle class is your advocacy class, okay. um, and uh, your, the, the lower class is your working class, and your, your upper class um, you know, essentially can control some of the issues in a community um, with their economic power. Okay. And so the middle class is the class that really um, ideally is the person that shows up at a council meeting or, or a, you know, a CPC, city plan commission meeting when there's something going on that they don't like in their neighborhood. They're the people that are going to show up at school. And I do think that there is an argument that we need that kind of economic diversity in all of our communities so that, you know, the the burden of advocacy is shared by a whole community, not just a segregated economic class. Okay. Um, and I'm not an economist, so I don't think I can explain it <laughs> any better but than that. But I, I think that makes general sense to me. I think I understand it. Um, what you're saying is a community needs to be dependent upon all classes of people, right. not just one. Yeah. I think that communities that really are were thriving and connected had um, a way to advocate for itself. So whether it was there's a park there and there's a friends of group or there's a neighborhood group, um, you know they they were vocal and uh, proud to report back. Um, and I think every community deserves that. Just you know we need to as a group, I think, continue working yeah. towards that. Did you feel like Dallas was pretty well defined in terms of communities? Or were there some 
you know, that we need some help in defining what our community is? You know, I, um, I think that BC Workshop and the city of Dallas have done a really excellent job doing some self-mapping of neighborhoods. Um, I think the issue is kind of that we do have a lot of Canadian culture in a lot of these neighborhoods that somebody that wasn't from Dallas might not pick up on, um, or somebody from a different part of the city might not know about. And so there is an advocacy angle of what makes some of these places in Dallas special that people just don't really know about outside of their neighborhood. So we could do a better job of promoting that. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a big opportunity with the cultural plan and um, some of the idea that arts should should definitely we should have great arts in you know in the arts district, but we also should send the you know we should have artistic and cultural opportunities at our park sites, at our schools, at our libraries, in our neighborhoods, and it's a great opportunity to find what makes that neighborhood unique or significant. What's that story that makes them special, and kind of put a visual or cultural language or depiction to it in neighborhoods that don't have it. Um, and so I'm encouraged that that was in the cultural plan and I hope that we, we all continue to think about that as we, as Dallas continues to develop. That's interesting, that's, that's really good. So if someone listens to this podcast and when it's over, what do you want them to think or do? after having listened to this podcast? Um, I think that, you know, if somebody listens to this podcast, uh, you know, we want, and you're inspired by it, we want loud and vocal advocates for um, neighborhood identity, continued funding and partnerships surrounding arts and culture, events in neighborhoods, and parks and green space, you know, sometimes I think that we think that those things are the things that just make somewhere pretty, but I don't, that's not true. You know, it, it, it really does provide an opportunity to connect people to one another, which is something we, we sort of found yeah. initially in the survey. So if I said, tell me if I say it this way, if, it, if it's okay or if I'm missing the point, what you're saying is in a lot of ways, the physical space in which we live or near where we live actually impacts us. Oh yeah, that's 100% what I'm saying. Yeah. For sure. Okay. And so, um, you know, we've done another podcast on mobility mm -hmm. and I asked them the same question, what do you want people to do? And one of the main things they said was get involved. Yeah. Well, I, that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. And that's my point too. If you're inspired by this and you don't know your neighbors, um, but you know, there's something really great about your community or you want to learn more. I hope that you research it and find out how to, how to get in touch with those people. But more importantly, if that isn't there, you know, take the opportunity to, um, you know, what, be, what be you that advocate for your yeah. community. So what if you don't really like your neighborhood? You just happen to have to live there. Yeah. Uh, you know what what do you what would you say should happen to make it a better community i think that you know when we had responses from people who didn't like their neighborhood there wasn't they didn't feel like there was something to be proud of there um or that is so interesting or or a organizing principle you know it was like i don't really like this neighborhood but it's close to my work um or you know affordability is a huge factor and i think that you know, we can and should ask for the things that make our communities better. 
Um, whether it's a bench in the park, whether it's a new park, whether it's a mural, whether it's sign toppers on your street. Um, I think that we all sign be... toppers, meaning like, mm -hmm. um, you know, Oak Hill subdivision right. on top of the stop sign. Right. Mm hmm. Or street signs, road signs. Yeah, or even more. You know, um, I, I really feel like that's pretty strong thing. I, I've driven through uh, wealthy neighborhoods, and mm -hmm. I've driven through less wealthy neighborhoods, and the ones that have the street topper, street sign toppers that say Bonton. Right. I, I feel like I'm in a community. Right. It's interesting that something so simple as that can make such a big difference. Right. And you know what? The city of Dallas does have a really great program to um, to put sign toppers in those neighborhoods. Um, and community organizations or neighborhood organizations can apply for them. Um, and so that's another reason that it's, I think, that heightened advocacy around how to have a neighborhood association if you don't have one or how to get involved. Um, is really important because then you can be the person that's asking for that and telling, you know, the rest of Dallas what you're proud yeah. of in your community. So that's really, really interesting. And I really like what you said. Uh, the neighborhoods that didn't have as connectedness, um, they really didn't have as much to be proud of or didn't know what to be proud of. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't know. I think, I think that's a better way to phrase it. Just what you said it. They didn't know. Um, and we did have answers like that where it was pretty ambiguous. Like I, like you just said, quote, I don't know. And that's the person who felt less connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, um, well, I like the sign. You know, I like, you know, that's simple. It's seemingly small, but I like that idea. It's really good. Um, so um, what else did y'all come up with? as a recommendation or just a fun fact, or um, it, it sounds like what you're saying is uh, really kind of defining your neighborhood, getting connected by organizing a group to, um, but you know, if, if you have a, a neighborhood that doesn't really have a park. Right. Um, I, I, you, you didn't say it's just parks, you said parks, community centers. I assume it could be a church or a right. local business that right. people gather around. Right, yeah, yeah. I think that, um you know, if you can in any way support your local business, um, that's great. You know, the Dallas Office of Arts and Culture has a map of cultural facilities, whether that's a dance studio or a place that people take art classes or a music facility. Um, and I think that we should continue to disperse those, whether they're public or private, um, throughout the city. How do you think... Um... I guess encourage, not disperse. Encourage them. Okay. Yeah, that's a good clarification. How, how do you think things like mobility uh, affect community and culture? I mean, I think mobility is directly related to community and culture in some cases, not in all cases, but, um, you know, if, if you don't have access to, you know, if you don't have access to quick transportation to and from where you're going, or you gotta go multiple places on some forms of public transportation that might take you a long time, you're not gonna have time to um, be as connected with your neighbor. You know, yeah, you yeah. and that is, you know, I do think that's detrimental to yeah. communities um, that don't have that connectivity and that are more burdened by not having that connectivity. What about technology? I think that's also a huge factor that's directly 
relevant, um, especially right now when you know we're talking about the digital divide and right. COVID and how you know people were doing things remotely, but not everybody has access to that. Um, and and so I think that you know programs to expand just technology and connectivity with one another are so helpful. And you know most library sites and school sites, if it's a you know if it's a public facility after hours, you can still get some. Wi-Fi connectivity on the site if you're not in the building, um, and a lot you know downtown parks are starting to do that too, and I think it's another great opportunity for public spaces that are indoor that have outdoor areas and for outdoor public spaces to be a hub where people can actually see and connect with one another, but also can digitally connect. That's interesting. Yeah. So. Um, it seems that one of your, to summarize a little bit, seems like one of your main uh, conclusion and recommendations is that outdoor areas are critical to neighborhoods. Yes, I do think that outdoor areas are, are critical to neighborhoods. And, and did your team agree with you on that or were you standing by yourself? On yes, that? no, my, our team did agree on that. Yeah. Um, and so I felt I was biased at first uh, coming from the Trust for Public Land. Um, but I, I wasn't, and um, the majority of people on our survey responded that that is where they are connected to their communities um, and where they get the most interaction with their communities is at their park space. And if that was inside of their neighborhood, you know, in many cases within a 10-minute walk, which is our mission, but it's how we measure what's an easy walk from your house to go be outside with your kid or with your neighbors or your friends. So I think it'd be pretty cool. I don't know. Somebody smart might can do it with artificial intelligence but it'd be pretty cool to have a have a map mm -hmm. an interactive deal you click on a house and it immediately tells you how many minute walk it yeah. is to the, the 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 closest open space yeah yeah so we did the opposite um at trust for public land but that's kind of what our mission is here is to provide that 10 minute a park within a 10 minute yeah. walk of a house um or but we do our map show you can click on the park or you go to the city of Dallas site and you can see whether you're in a park coverage zone or you're in a park okay. desert. Is that on your website? Um, yeah, it's on our Smart Growth for Dallas website. Okay. That's that's really interesting. Talk about culture a little bit. You know, I mean, um, you know, in today's world, there's a lot of issues with culture. And do, did you find that people were... Um, protective of their neighborhoods in other words i don't want your kind here because our kind's different or were people generally welcoming as long as you're going to help improve the neighborhood or did you, know, you did you see any of that i don't think that we got deep enough in that for me to be able to answer but i you know we hope that we could provide steps for the next trek group to really take off running on some aspect of the work that we've done i would say that you know in our survey that we asked the public the vast majority of respondents responded that they felt a moderate amount of culture in their neighborhoods. Um, you know, those really connected neighborhoods or some of the, some of the ones that have a visible sort of identity or identity in our brain. Um, so they had a great deal. Um, they could, they could specifically state what they were proud about, about their neighborhood. Yeah. And yeah. they could answer that question. What did they feel like? You know, we asked the question, what do you feel like culture means in terms of your community? Um, which is a pretty vague and hard to answer but question. But they had usually had a pretty ready answer. But there were people that had ready answers and neighborhoods where that those correlated with one another 
Um, and then there's a lot of people, you know, there's some people about the same, you know, a little bit less than the, a great deal and a lot that answered not at all or a little. And I think that, you know, I don't know if it's our job to answer what culture is, but we want people in their own community to feel empowered to tell us what it is um, yeah. and to decide. I think that's a healthy, you're not there to tell people what their culture is, but you would love for them to be able to tell you what it is. Right. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Well, in wrapping up, is there anything else you want to to talk about? I don't think so. Um, you know, give me one action item for someone listening and for me. One action item. I think that you know my action item for everybody that's thinking about development in Dallas or working in Dallas is that these community and cultural, cultural amenities are not just beautification measures. They're not just um, you know an extra addition that you add to a neighborhood. It's something that really does, you know, and can reflect character of place and increase connectivity between neighbors, um, and make you know make safer neighborhoods, make neighborhoods where people have more access to one another and um, are just more connected. And I think that we should continue thinking about that moving forward. And my action item is. Um, if you're part of a neighborhood association and you want something different in your neighborhood or you really like something about your neighborhood, um, go to that next meeting or post about it somewhere. If you don't have that, I hope that you know we can work on getting the resources together so that people can be a part of a neighborhood association if they want to or find out how to do more in their communities. That's awesome. Thanks, Molly. Thanks Thank you for so much. spending all the time working on this. That's a lot of work. You know, we really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, the team... Kelly Jasso led the team for this, and um, you know we just had a lot of fun, and it That's was a good time. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thanks to Trek for doing this. Yes, thank you to Trek very much. That's it for today's show. I'd like to thank Scott Rorman of 42 Real Estate and Molly Plummer of the Trust for Public Land for their Trek Think Tank discussion on community and culture. Please subscribe to TrekCast on your favorite podcast app and follow Trek on social media. We've linked to all of our accounts in the show notes. Don't forget to check out our previous Think Tank conversation on mobility with Ryan Koch of Pacheco & Koch and Huntley Lewis of the NRP Group. We've also linked to that episode in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.